You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we are back. The regular season has finally concluded this historic regular season for the Ravens. Baltimore knocking off the Pittsburgh Steelers in their final game in Week 17. The final score of 28-10 to in a game where it was actually pretty close. And then in the fourth quarter in the second half, the Ravens got things rolling. Also, the final two minutes of the first half, it seems over these past two weeks, the Ravens love those final two minutes. Of course, last week in Cleveland, the Ravens putting up 14 points. Again, yesterday, they put up 10 points in the final two minutes. So Baltimore loving life with those final two minutes of the first half. But we're going to get into absolutely everything that transpired in this game between the Ravens and the Steelers. Although it meant nothing for the Ravens in terms of playoff seeding or other things like that, for the Steelers, it meant everything. It was a narrative that was put across all week. It means nothing for Baltimore, but everything for the Steelers. But the Ravens made it clear they were going into this game to win. It was Steelers week. They weren't going to treat it like any other week, despite the Ravens sitting their star players like Lamar Jackson, like Mark Ingram, like Earl Thomas. And there were some guys who I expected to play more who didn't play. There were guys who I expected to play a lot less who ended up playing most of the game, if not all of the game. So we're going to get into everything, talking about the offense, talking about the defense, and then finally recapping the rest of Week 17 and running down the final AFC playoff picture. Who made it? Who did not? Who grasped onto that number six seed? It's pretty well known by now. The Tennessee Titans with the Pittsburgh loss got into the playoffs and we'll get into the matchups, who the Ravens should be aiming to play, what teams are the most likely teams the Ravens are going to play, and much, much more. So stay tuned for all that. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, tune in. Anywhere there's a podcast, we are there. We come out with daily episodes Monday through Friday. 6 a.m. is when they are released, but you can listen to them anywhere at any time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOstriker34. I'm almost at 2,000 followers. It's insane. So, Again, two great follows, a lot of Ravens news and opinions from both accounts, so be sure to give both those a follow. But now, with all of that being said, let's get into what happened in this game, this Week 17 game between the Ravens and the Steelers. And we're going to start with the offense in a game that did not have Lamar Jackson play, did not have Mark Ingram play. We saw a lot of Robert Griffin III. In fact, we only saw Robert Griffin III. Now, I had thought that the Ravens were going to go with maybe Robert Griffin III for a half or for three quarters and then let McSorley play. But this was a game where Robert Griffin III got all of the snaps at the quarterback position. Now, Trace McSorley did get a carry. He gained one yard on it. That was very early in the game. Then we didn't see him for the rest of the game. It seemed like the Ravens were trying to talk McSorley up a bit, maybe confuse the Steelers. But this was Robert Griffin III's game. And it was a so-so game from Robert Griffin III. He went 11 of 21 for 96 yards. He also threw an interception on one of the game's final plays on a ball that was tipped up in the air. Carrying-wise, he had 8 carries for 50 yards. And Greg Roman employed pretty much the same offense that... The Ravens were using with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. And while I think that that was the right decision with Robert Griffin III and Lamar Jackson, you have to understand something with those two quarterbacks. 
yes, they both have the same talent in terms of having exceptional arms and a great ability with their legs. But the difference between Robert Griffin III and Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson's athleticism and his ability with his legs is elite. And you have to respect him both as a runner and as a passer. And while Robert Griffin III did average 6.3 yards per carry, it was interesting to see how it kind of looked like the Steelers were creeping up on Robert Griffin III, kind of forcing him to hand that football off, and he was making great decisions. But the effects that Lamar Jackson has on this football team, on this offense, cannot be understated. When he is on the football field, the Ravens are far superior to any other team on that football field. And yes, that's an obvious fact. But some people were saying, oh, well, if Lamar Jackson gets injured, we'll be all right. Robert Griffin III will be there. And to an extent, absolutely, yes, that is true. But now we know, now we've seen Robert Griffin III in a full NFL game, his first start since 2016, and I'm extremely happy for him. I'm glad that he got this opportunity to showcase his skills. He worked extremely hard to get back into the NFL, and the fact that he was able to put his talents on display with the best football team in the league against a very, very solid Pittsburgh Steelers defense, I am so happy for Robert Griffin III. But it seemed like his throws were a little off. Yes, the weather was terrible, but his throws were a little off. And it just seems like something wasn't there with his throwing. He couldn't get to the edge on some plays. And on some plays, he did a phenomenal job doing so. He fought through contact. He got to the edge on some plays. But it just seems that when Lamar Jackson is in the game, he can just do things that others can't. And we've known this for the entire season. But Robert Griffin III seemed to be running into some sacks a little bit. The offensive line, you know, just a side note, the offensive line played extremely well, minus Ronnie Stanley and minus Marshall Yonda. Bradley Bozen also got some time off in there as well. They were playing with guys like Parker Einger and Ben Powers. Hronas Grasso got some snaps I saw. It was very nice to see the fact that the Ravens have their depth at offensive line set. James Hurst also played very well. Robert Griffin III was sacked three times, but it was very nice to see the offensive line, the backup offensive line, put together a very solid performance. But Robert Griffin III is so humble, such a nice guy. If you haven't seen his post-game speech yet after John Harbaugh gave him a game ball, you should go watch it. You know, what he said, and, you know, he got the biggest cheer from the Ravens, from his teammates. He is so well-loved in that locker room, and he is the perfect, perfect mentor for Lamar Jackson. Robert Griffin III's impact on Lamar Jackson's career cannot be understated, and I am sure that the happiest guys in the room, the two happiest guys in the room for Robert Griffin III were John Harbaugh, and Lamar Jackson himself. Those two guys, when Robert Griffin III and Lamar Jackson interact, you know, it's just so genuine between the two. And yes, while Robert Griffin III's performance on the field might have just been so-so, what the Ravens have been blessed with is a quarterback who has gone through the trials and tribulations of ultimately not being able to live up to the expectations of what he was. Robert Griffin III was supposed to be the next big thing. Injuries derailed his career. His running style played a key part in that. Also the carelessness of Mike Shanahan to an extent. But you have a guy who has been able to share his experiences with Lamar Jackson. And what we saw on Sunday was a guy who has helped this team become so good, go out on the field, give it his all, and perform to the utmost of his abilities. And he put it all out on that field. And what I hope for Robert Griffin III is some team will give him a chance. He still has talent to be a starting quarterback at the NFL level. His performance was so-so because he hasn't stepped on the football field in over two years to start a game. I don't blame Robert Griffin III for, you know, him being a little rusty. It was just the fact of the matter that he went up against a good defense in bad weather with backups 
and he had to make do with all of that, and he did you know a fine job at that. So Robert Griffin III, a so-so performance stat-wise, didn't look amazing throwing the football, but led the team to a victory. In terms of rushing, Gus Edwards, I said Gus Edwards was going to be the X factor in this football game, and he absolutely was. 21 carries for 130 yards, no touchdowns, but he did average 6.2 yards per carry. Justice Hill had 10 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown where he made three Steelers miss, trucked through some guys. What a performance by Gus Edwards in this Ravens running game, minus Mark Ingram, minus this offensive line that's been so good. You know, give credit to the offensive line, give credit to Justice Hill, but the most credit has to go to Gus Edwards. He is a guy where if Mark Ingram isn't fully healthy or they need to kind of scale Mark Ingram back for the divisional round, I am so confident in what Gus Edwards can do. Like I said in my podcast last week, we've seen what Gus Edwards can do. Averaged 5.2 yards per carry last year in his starts, came on from being an undrafted rookie out of Rutgers, turned on the Jets, and absolutely just flew with his opportunity. What I saw out of Gus Edwards yesterday was a guy who has improved his running style. I've been talking about his cutbacks all season. His vision has improved so much from his first to his second season. He's finding the hole. If the hole isn't there, if it hasn't opened up in the primary spot where it's called, he'll go look for another one. And if there's absolutely nothing there, then he'll go back and he'll just put his head down, get two, three, four yards, call it a play, and go to the next one. He's become a lot better in his cuts and his ability to make jump cuts. He's been a pleasure to watch, and I think that Mark Ingram will be scaled back to a degree in the divisional round, but that isn't a factor anymore because the Ravens have Gus Edwards who can come in, yes, maybe isn't as effective as a pass catcher or a pass blocker, but he can come in on early down situations if Mark Ingram can't and get the yards, get the results that Mark Ingram would. In terms of the receiving game for the Ravens, Hayden Hurst led all receivers with two receptions for 35 yards. Willie Sneed had three for 22. Marquise Brown, two for 15. And the rest of the guys had one reception, including Justice Hill, Nick Boyle, Jaleel Scott, and Gus Edwards. Hayden Hurst made a nice snag on a ball from Robert Griffin III in the first half. One-handed brought that thing into his body. It seems like people underestimate the ability of Hayden Hurst in his hands. When he has the football and when he has to go out and catch a football, he can do it. And he can do it in an exceptional way. It seems like the ball is just glued to his fingertips whenever he goes out and lunges for a football. I think the Ravens are actually going to rely on him in the playoffs quite a bit. Obviously, we know the situation with Mark Andrews and now he's Lamar Jackson's favorite target. But Hayden Hurst is an underrated guy to watch. Willie Sneed had a few nice catches. Marquise Brown is a guy who played almost this entire football game. I did not expect them to play Marquise Brown as much as they did. But hey, got the job done. He had two for 15. But it seems like the Ravens have a plan. And that plan is to get everybody involved. Make sure that the defense doesn't know where the ball is going because you can throw the ball because you can throw the ball up to a guy like Julio Jones or Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. You know, 20 times a game, they'll just triple team him. But with this Ravens offense, there is no luxury to be doing that because anybody and everybody on the field, any receiver on a play, is an absolute threat. And so that was what helped the Ravens put up. 21 points on offense obviously they had help from the special teams unit with an extra touchdown to push that to 28 but the Ravens offense performed well and in a game that I predicted to be 17 to 14 Ravens I'm very glad that they were able to put together some more points and show show the NFL world that there is more to this Ravens team than just Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram on the Ravens offense.
We are going to go to break now, but when we come back, we are going to get into the defensive performance holding Duck Hodges in that Steelers offense with just 10 points. But before we do that, if you want to work towards being your best self in 2020, understand more about the world around you and make sure that your time is being well spent. Blinkist is for anyone who cares about learning but doesn't have a lot of time. Blinkist takes the key insights from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers in over 27 categories and condenses them down into 15-minute blinks, which are text and audio explainers that help you understand more about the core ideas of each Book. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash LockedOn to start your seven-day free trial. You get 25% off a of Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash LockedOn to get a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash LockedOn. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked On Ravens episode. Kevin Oshreker still with you here. And we are getting into everything related to the Ravens' 28-10 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, securing the Ravens their best record in franchise history at 14-2, and the longest winning streak in franchise history at 12 straight games. This game seemed like pure domination from the Ravens' defense, and that's where we're headed next. Talking about the defense, they gave up just 168 total yards to Devlin Hodges, Benny Snell, and the Steelers' offense that was missing a lot of key guys, but still, this is the NFL. There's talent. You have Juju Smith-Schuster, Benny Snell, I just mentioned. You have Deontay Johnson, James Washington, France McDonald, a good offensive line. The Steelers were missing some key pieces, but still, the Ravens made sure that the Steelers' offense got nothing going. They allowed 91 rushing yards and just 77 passing yards. Devlin Hodges, 9 of 25 for 95 yards, while getting sacked two times for 18 yards, so they only had net 77 passing yards. This was just domination by the Ravens front, and yes, there were times where it seemed like they couldn't get a lot of pressure. I've talked about how the Ravens don't really get a ton of pressure when they send four guys to the quarterback, but in the end, the Ravens were able to get a lot of pressure, and this is a game where, you know, I've said this a million times, and I'll say it again, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I've said it so many times, pay Matthew Judon. Pay him his money. The Ravens cannot afford to let this man leave Baltimore. In his post-game press conference yesterday, he said that he has the house in Baltimore all picked out if he ends up signing an extension here in Baltimore. He seems to love it here. He's producing. He got to double-digit sacks on the season with the one strip sack that he had that set the Ravens up very nicely at the end of the first half. He is the reason the Ravens got 10 points at the end of that first half. But the reason Matthew Judon needs to stay is they have struggled to produce a constant pass rush throughout the entire season. It was really Matthew Judon, then you look back earlier and you see Pernell McPhee. Those were the two guys who were constants. And Matthew Judon kept that up throughout the entire season. Yes, Tyus Bowser and Jalen Ferguson definitely grew as their playing time grew. But Matthew Judon is an absolute star. He needs to stay. He's good at setting the edge, which is another thing the Ravens struggled at throughout the season. The Ravens had some games, the 49ers game comes to mind, where they just struggled to set the edge consistently and teams gashed them. Judon could both set the edge and is a threat in the pass rushing game, and you don't get a lot of those guys often. Terrell Suggs was a master at that. 
Now you have Judon, his successor runaway. You have to pay the guy the money that he deserves, and it will probably be a little more than Zadarius Smith's contract, but the Ravens lost Zadarius Smith, and he is performing exceptionally for the Green Bay Packers. The Ravens cannot afford to let Matthew Judon walk. Chuck Clark led the team with nine total tackles. Patrick Owasso had eight. Brandon Carr and Chris Warmly had four apiece. And then Marlon Humphrey, Michael Pierce, and Justin Ellis had three each. This was a game where guys like Earl Thomas and Jimmy Smith and Brandon Williams didn't play. But I was very surprised to see Marlon Humphrey play the entire game, to see Marcus Peters play the entire game. It was interesting for me because you know the Ravens were keen on resting their guys making sure they were healthy for the playoff run and they did a good job at that I mean the weather conditions were absolutely horrible if guys like Lamar Jackson were out there taking the hits that Robert Griffin III was from that Steelers defense those cheap shots I would not have been happy but it seemed like the Ravens were confident with those three guys even Michael Pierce to an extent to the fact that they were able to play and play effectively for the entire game. And yes, you know, every snap that an NFL player takes, they risk injury on that play. There's no question about it. But I was expecting John Harbaugh and the coaching staff to maybe have Peters and Humphrey and Judon maybe play a half or three quarters. But they were in till the end, till the final snap. And they were key in holding the Steelers to 10 points. Marlon Humphrey did have a few defensive holding calls against him. Marcus Peters undercut a route that he thought he could take the other way in the first half. And it went right over top of him. Deontay Johnson made a nice catch. There were some mistakes. But overall, I mean, when you hold an NFL team to 10 points, you know, that's what you're looking for every single time. Yes, it was against a quarterback who struggled. And he's a rookie. And he's young. And, you know... You can pile up the excuses. I mean, we've been hearing them all year, right? It's just the Dolphins. Well, we'll get into it in the third segment, but the Patriots lost to just the Dolphins. So, you know, it's the league. It's the NFL. The Ravens defense performed well. They were sending a lot, a lot of blitzes, a lot of cover zero looks. That's been what Don Martindale's specialty is, and that's exactly why the Ravens have had so much success because you're making quarterbacks only go through their first read, maybe their second if they're lucky, because before you know it, you know, one second goes, two second goes, and there's a, there's a guy in your face already. You can't, you don't have the time to survey the entire field. You don't have the time to let routes develop. You either have to check it down to the running back or maybe a tight end who stopped on a comebacker. It's difficult for quarterbacks, no matter how experienced they are, to really shake off a blitz. And we saw Duck Hodges make a nice play on a play where Brandon Carr blitzed, he spun out of it and threw the ball for a nice completion. You'll run those risks when, you know, you have to have a quarterback panic like that. You would much, much rather have a quarterback panic in the pocket and make a spectacular throw than have him sit back there for three, four, five seconds and just pick the secondary apart. So good job by the Ravens to make sure that their defense was firing on all cylinders. Their run defense was very, very stout. Only had the Steelers run for four yards per carry compared to the Ravens 5.1 it's a pretty big difference Benny Snell had 18 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown for the Steelers but the Ravens defense and I've been saying it you know this is a second half defense it seems like the Ravens took some criticism for not being able to adjust their game plans in week three and four you know those two losses it seemed like you know they were getting gashed and they weren't doing anything about it but what the Ravens coaching staff has done this season, especially on defense, is, you know, take what they're given. You know, they literally take the information and the plays and the play calling that they are 
put up against, and in real time, they will actively adjust their game plan. And that's why the Ravens have been so successful, especially on this 12-game winning streak. Because, yeah, maybe something isn't working out or what you've game planned for all week, you know, isn't coming to fruition and they're doing something completely different. Well, they'll go in, fine-tune it at halftime, make those adjustments, and that is exactly why the Ravens' defense has been performing so well, especially in the second half of football games. So overall, a good effort by the Ravens' defense. The Ravens got a safety. The Ravens got a special teams touchdown. It was not the most conventional way to 28 points. Usually it's just four touchdowns. But Justin Tucker played a big part in this game. Four for four, kicking field goals. Had a long of 47. Also hit two of his extra points. And pretty pretty terrible weather. Pretty bad kicking conditions. Sam Cook, 46.7 yards per punt on his three punts. All three of them inside the 20. He should have been a pro bowler. He was snubbed. And the reason he didn't make it, because the Ravens offense didn't give him enough opportunities to punt the football. So the Ravens defense and special teams working together, holding the Steelers to 10 points and putting up some points of their own as well. Well, we are going to go to break now. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the rest of week 17, talking about the playoff picture in the AFC who the Ravens might play, what the most likely scenarios are, and everything else related to the Ravens' quest for Miami. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, did you have a long day at work or a tough day at school, or if you're still stuck in the office, treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. With DoorDash delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, or the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode, the first episode of Playoff Locked on Ravens, the regular season ending yesterday, the Ravens securing a 28-10 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, but now we have to get into the rest of the league, the rest of the AFC, and talk about the playoff seeding, because now it's all set in stone. We know who's going to be playing who in the wild card round. Then we can kind of look ahead and see, well, the Ravens will probably be playing these guys in the divisional round, then these people in the AFC Championship if they make it. So let's first get into just the scores around the league, only in the AFC, of course. First, the Jets beating the Buffalo Bills 13-6 in a game where the Bills rested their starters. Sam Darnold, 23-36 for 199 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Le'Veon Bell finishes up his disappointing season with 16 carries for 41 yards. This is a 2.6 yards per carry average. Actress Josh Allen got some playing time, went 3 for 5 for 5 yards. Matt Barkley came in the game 18 at 35 for 232 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. In a big game, the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots 27-24. The Dolphins move to 5-11, while the Patriots fall to 12-4. And this game massively, massively impacted the Patriots' playoff positioning and who they're going to have to play, where they're going to have to travel. We'll get into all of that after we get through all the scores. Ryan Fitzpatrick went 28-41 for 320 yards and one touchdown while leading the Dolphins down the field for a game-winning drive in Foxborough. Tom Brady went 16 and 29 for 221 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception, while Sonny Michelle had 18 carries for 74 yards and a score. The Kansas City Chiefs beating the Los Angeles Chargers 
31 to 21. The Chargers fall to 5 and 11, while the Chiefs move to 12 and 4. Phillip Rivers went 31 to 46 for 281 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. But for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes went 16 to 25 for 174 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. While Damian Williams had 12 carries for 124 yards and two scores. It should be noted that the Chiefs lost rookie standout safety Juan Thornhill to what seems like a torn ACL. The Cincinnati Bengals beating the Cleveland Browns 33-23. Cincinnati ends the season 2-14 and will still pick number one while the Browns fall to 6-10 in a year where they had won the Super Bowl back in July. So it's very confusing not to see them in the playoffs. But Freddie Kitchens fired last night after the game. It was thought that he had organizational support. He thought he had organizational support. It did not turn out that way. The Browns will most likely turn to Mike McCarthy if John Dorsey does get his way. Baker Mayfield finished 12 for 27 for 279 yards, three touchdowns and three interceptions. Andy Dalton for the Bengals went 16 and 28 for 190 yards, one touchdown and one interception. While Joe Mixon had a phenomenal game having 26 carries for 162 yards and two touchdowns. The Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Indianapolis Colts 38-20. The Jaguars move to 6-10 while the Colts fall to 7-9. Jacoby Brissett went 12-25 for 162 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Marlon Mack had two scores on the ground. While Gardner Minshew went 27-39 for 295 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. The Tennessee Titans beating the Houston Texans 35 to 14 in the game where the Texans also rested their key players. The Titans moved 9 and 7 while the Texans fall to 10 and 6. Ryan Tannehill went 13 and 20 for 198 yards and two scores while Derrick Henry had another monster game. 32 carries for 211 yards and three scores. AJ McCarron in place of Deshaun Watson went 21 and 36 for 225 yards and one interception. And finally, the Denver Broncos beating the Oakland Raiders 16 to 15. Both teams finish at 7 and 9. Derek Carr went 29 to 46 for 391 yards and one touchdown. While for the Broncos, Drew Locke finished up his rookie year with a 17 for 28 performance for 177 yards and one touchdown. So now that we've kind of rolled through all those scores, let's talk about playoffs. The final AFC standings, the Baltimore Ravens come in at the number one seed, clinching home field advantage. They clinched it in Cleveland last week. They are 14-2, the AFC's number one seed. The Kansas City Chiefs leapfrogged the New England Patriots with their win and with the Patriots' loss. So now Kansas City has the bye going into the wild card round. They will then host the highest remaining seed. The Patriots are the number three seed at 12-4 and four as well. The reason the Chiefs win that tiebreaker is because the Chiefs beat the Patriots head-to-head this season. The Texans are the number four seed. The Bills are number five, and the Tennessee Titans are the number six seed. So how wildcard weekend shapes up, New England Patriots will be hosting the Tennessee Titans while the Houston Texans will be hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Ravens will be playing the lowest remaining seed out of those teams. So it could be Buffalo, it could be the Titans, or it could be the Texans. Any one of those three teams is who the Ravens will be playing in the divisional round. But it's interesting because personally, I think that the Titans can beat this Patriots team. They did not look good yesterday. Offense led by Tom Brady does not have the same firepower it once did. It seems like they're opting for a lot of checkdowns. The defense looked exposed in this game against Miami. They also looked exposed when they played Kansas City. 
this team and going up against a team like the Titans who are just surging right now. They seem to have found their answer in Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry might be the most dangerous running back in pro football right now. Sorry, Mark Ingram, but Derrick Henry is just on another level. What you have to realize is that the Patriots aren't what they once were. Yes, their defense has played very well this season, but their weakness is within the run game, and that seems to be where the Titans excel. They also have a stud rookie by the name of A.J. Brown, who I loved coming out of the draft, and I wanted the Ravens to draft him. They opted to get Hollywood Brown instead, another pick that I loved, and I loved Hollywood as well. But A.J. Brown is that size-speed combination. I think that he can do some damage on this Patriots secondary. So I might have to pick an upset there. I'm not sure of it yet, but my initial thoughts are that maybe this Tennessee Titans team can really do it and upset this New England Patriots team. And the last time the Patriots had to play in the wildcard round was in 2010 when they faced off against the Baltimore Ravens and lost. So it's going to be interesting to see. Then the Texans host the Bills. Between those two teams, I probably would rather play the Texans But I don't know. It's close between the two. The Bills played the Ravens very tight in that game. But the good thing about this is the fact that Kansas City and New England are two teams the Ravens would not have to face until the AFC Championship game. And I think this AFC Championship game is going to come down to the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's who I think is going to be playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl and represent the AFC But I think the Ravens are going to do it. I don't want to put any jinxes here. No jinxes are in the air. But I am confident that this Ravens team can go out, can perform. The Chiefs are going to have to come to Baltimore. It's going to be a tough game for them. It's going to be close. And I think the Baltimore Ravens will prevail and make it to Miami. But that's a quick rundown of the scores of Week 17. And the playoff picture as it stands right now, the final AFC playoff picture. But that's all that I have for you guys today. Tomorrow we are going to be getting into what happened in the Ravens and Steelers game a little more in depth with Spencer Schultz. So stay tuned for that and I will see you tomorrow.